Welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am your host, Honey Bee. And I am also your host, Precious D. <laughs> Honey Bee, today we are taking a look at the movie Atragon. Atragon. Or as I'd like to say, Atragon. Because <laughs> of the guy, the, the dub guy who's just like voice is just so like this the whole movie. He just talks <laughs> like. I don't know a single thing he says because all I can focus on is like I just want a cigarette listening to him talk. You're talking about the reporter, the so-called reporter yeah. with the beard and the sunglasses. Yes. Did, did you did you recognize him at all? Yes, because, I did recognize him. Well, because I I don't think I did. It wasn't until I was reading uh, the credits because he doesn't normally have a a false beard. <laughs> I, I am pretty certain that that was a uh, false beard. <laughs> <laughs> I felt as soon as I saw him, I was like, where have I seen this guy before? I feel like I've seen this guy before. So, but his voice, his voice drove me insane. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we were talking about the character Umino, who uh, is a reporter and is played by Kenji Sahara. In sunglasses and a false beard. Oh yeah, baby! Shout out. <laughs> so he is normally playing the hero, and he is not really the hero. In yeah, this and he sounds like he smokes three packs a day. <laughs> <laughs> he does, but that was a a dub. I don't think yeah, we totally. have access to the Japanese version, so I don't know how he sounds. In the Japanese version. I'm sure he sounds normal or at least a lot better <laughs> than, than that. <laughs> and Honeybee, when we were talking about this movie earlier, you referred to it as the weird one. Yeah, I... <laughs> the weird... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in con like comparison to all the movies we've seen, it's not really that weird. But I felt like very <laughs> weird about this movie emotionally. This movie is an <laughs> roller coaster. Like, uh, let's just get into it. Oh, also, okay. I want to say, for, for people who don't know, I moved away a while back and recently I visited Odessa and I left my notes for this particular movie there. So I am <laughs> raw dogging it today. Uh, you're killing me. <laughs> I know. I am raw dogging it today, but. Let's 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 get right into it. All right. The movie is Atragon. The original Japanese title is uh, Kaiti Gunken, which means the undersea warship from 1963. Oh. It is in color. It is 94 minutes directed by Ashiro Honda. Music once again by Akira Ifukube. And the script is by Sinichi Sekizawa. I don't have a budget, but it made 175 million yen. I'm not sure what the conversion rate is, but that's not as much as it sounds like. The featured <laughs> monster is Manda, 
and he is 150 meters or approximately 492 feet. And the death count is 272. Whoa. Is that our our highest? No Wilhelm screams. Uh, Normally for these Japanese movies, I don't give it a racism factor unless it's just blatant. But I guess it's only fair to give it a one because there are no non-Japanese people in it. We got a little feedback from one of our viewers, uh, our friend Lubisha, about my racism rating for Reptilicus. Okay, hit me with it. He thought it was unfair. I I can't find the message. I was going to quote him. Yeah. But now I can't find the message. Give me just Oh my gosh. Can I just say, like, we got feedback? Someone disagreed with us? We are a real freaking (laughs) podcast now. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for writing in. We love to hear from you, even if you're disagreeing with us. Please disagree with us. It's okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to find where he posted it because I'm not seeing it on the our Facebook page. Anyway, essentially he was saying, well, there just really aren't any non-white people in those countries. Um, he's from, he's not, uh, what do you call it? Reptilicus is uh, from Sweden, right? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was saying there's just really not any non-white people in that part of the world. But then went on to tell me about how he was brutally mocked as a child because he had dark hair and not and dark eyes and not blonde and blue-eyed and that they teased him and called him names that were roughly equivalent to calling someone the N-word. So oh, it seemed like his defense was these countries are so inherently racist that <laughs> that their movie that the that oh. the movie is not in itself racist because there just don't happen to be any uh, not white people living there. Well, so, uh, <laughs> uh, appreciate the feedback. I uh, I don't know if that makes it less racist, but appreciate it. Which is also the case right. uh, in Japan. I don't know how how much it is these days but certainly back then not a whole lot of non-japanese people living in japan yeah. so they're just not I do, really I, available to be in the I movies do, i follow a youtuber who lives in japan she's half japanese and half black and i wish mm-hmm. i could remember her handle off the top of my head but she does excellent youtube videos about that specifically like being a black person in japan and like how right. people react to her and that sort of thing fantastic i wish i could think of her handle right off the top of my head but i can't i'll send it to you though it's not quite as isolated and homogenous as it used to be but i think it's still uh, fairly unusual for non-japanese people to be there i suppose there's a lot of western business people there now Mm -hmm. yeah totally. and of course we see a we see a few of them every now and then in the movies Uh, anyway this movie is based on two books by two different people the Undersea Warship by Sunro Oshikawa and The Undersea Kingdom by Shigeru Komatsuzuki. Ooh. And I was a little confused why it's based on two books by two different guys, but I did a little poking around. And it seems that the second guy, uh, Komatsuzuki, Suzaki, Komatsuzaki, was 
more of an illustrator than a writer. His books tended to be almost picture books, almost totally illustration, oh, okay. just a very, a very little bit of text. And it, it appears that at some point he did an adaptation of Undersea Warship or a illustrated version of Undersea Warship and then followed it up with his own book, Undersea Kingdom. And it may be that the screenwriter had read these books when he was younger and kind of smushed them together in his mind. Nice. <laughs> Didn't realize they weren't the same book. In, you know, in your memory, you yeah, totally. conflate things together. But there's no kaiju in the books, though that was added because they just... Because it's a Toho movie, and they just thought they needed to have a kaiju in it. <laughs> so they added the element Hell yeah. of Manda. Oh, I also want to mention that there is a, a later an anime version of this. I think it's called Super Atragon. I've only seen a few minutes of it. I mean, it's like a two-part thing. The reason mm. I... Ch- <laughs> the, so the, the kaiju is hardly in this movie at all. Yeah, you gotta really sit this one out. You gotta, you gotta really wait for this one. <laughs> Yes, but the reason I thought we should go ahead and watch it is because elements from this movie will show up again later in the series. Which, that is why I appreciate you so much. Does your back (laughs) hurt? Does your back hurt from carrying the weight of this podcast? (laughs) It does. It does. (laughs) So Manda will appear in 1968's Destroy All Monsters. And then Manda and the ship, the Gotengo, will both appear in 2004 in Godzilla Final Wars. Nice. And then Manda will appear in the cartoon, the 2021 cartoon Godzilla Singular Point. And uh, it appears this movie is fairly popular in Japan because there are lots of models of the ship available. So there you go. There you go. That's why I thought we should watch it just for completeness, even though cool. there's hardly a, hardly a monster in it at all. Nice. Very, very nice. Nicely done, sir. Thank you. So it's got a bunch of our favorite people in it that we've seen before and we'll see more of. As we mentioned, Kenji Sahara plays uh, the weird reporter guy. <laughs> we've me- I, We mentioned before, but I want to remind everyone that Kenji Sahara is in more Godzilla movies than any other actor. And I'd say he's a good actor too. Yeah. So, so far we've seen him in Godzilla, Rodan, the Mysterians, Mothra and King Kong versus Godzilla. And we will see him again next week in Mothra versus Godzilla. We, which I am so excited for. (laughs) And he will play. So the, uh, there's a character in this, movie uh, captain hachiro jinguji played by mm-hmm. jun tazaki but kenji sahara will play a version of that character what? oh dang in uh i believe it's in final wars the aforementioned godzilla final wars right. so but that's that's decades in the the future so <laughs> the movie starts off at night there's a a guy in a car, uh, uh, there's like a chauffeur and a guy in the back seat. And the driver is our, our buddy uh, Akihiko Hirata, who Shut we up. don't know who he is yet. He will, He's playing what we will find out later is Moo Agent number 23. <laughs> and the passenger realizes he's not driving the right way and 
reaches out to touch him and it hurts to touch him. He gets like a shock or a burn or something when he touches him. And then we see that there is a photo shoot happening on a dock by the ocean. Uh, some girl in a bikini. It, it looks like something is happening with this girl in a bikini, but then it turns out it's just a photo shoot. Looks like she's being threatened, I think, by a guy with a gun, but it, they're they're really just doing a photo shoot. And the guys doing the photo shoot we just saw in King Kong versus Godzilla playing rather similar characters. It's uh, Tadeo. Yeah, yeah, it's the two guys. It's the two guys from the TV oh station. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. It's uh, Tadeo Takashima playing Susumo Hatanaka and you uh you you is spelled y u you fujiki you fujiki as yoshito nashibi playing uh, and i just call them photographer number 1 and photographer number 2 so they've <laughs> done a number of movies as sort of a comedy team and they were a little comedy yeah. team in king king kong versus godzilla and they're trying to be a little comedy team in this movie yeah uh, they're they're doing a photo shoot and the girl in the bikini is complaining that it's cold and then somebody starts coming up out of the water behind her and climbing <laughs> up over the edge of the dock but the they take a picture and the flash bulb appears to knock him back into the water and the water sorts starts uh steaming yeah and by the way and every then, time someone says in this movie like he was a steamy man or he was steaming <laughs> i cat i had to cat call said man because <laughs> yeah, i just yeah i'm like oh yeah mcsteamy mr mcsteamy <laughs> and the, well the steamy man it seems like he's wearing some sort of uh underwater diving outfit kind of thing but it also seems like there's yeah, a lot of like a space seaweed hanging looks... off of him so he looks a little yeah. bit like a monster but he's a guy in a in a suit and then the car from the other shot comes driving up to the dock and goes right into the <laughs> water back through <laughs> yeah and then we get the credits the next uh, day or or the morning we don't know exactly how late at night it is but now it's morning and they're fishing the car out and we get our first glimpse of our weird bearded reporter. <laughs> this and guy. It... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. The car appears to have been stolen. The The police are talking to the photographers and getting witness accounts. And they're talking, mm-hmm. the car was stolen. And uh, the passenger was the Mr. Shindo. And he's, there's no sign of him. The, the, as I said, the police are questioning the photographers and they talk about a steaming man and that the thief had hot hands. Hot hands? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> then they see a woman getting off of a ship there on oh the dock. Gosh. And they're like, ooh, she's pretty. She could be a, a model for us. Yeah, this is a weird little interaction here. This is a weird... This is weird how they... Find this woman, see her, talk about it, and go about like actually finding this woman is very strange. Yes, they because they they don't do anything about it right then, but they try to track her down later, which is really creepy, especially the way oh, yeah. they do it. Yeah, but we cut to before they get to that, we cut to them developing pictures mm-hmm. and trying to track down 
the woman to model for them. I guess they took some pictures of her uh, and they're trying to figure out how to track her down. And then the police show up. I love this part because there's like a lady and she's like, instead of being like, "Um, excuse me, sir, the police are here. She's like, "Um, excuse me, did you do something wrong? Because the police are here. Well, and we'll see later that it's quite possible they did something wrong because yeah, but they're going to want to. These two guys are pretty shady. These guys are kind of shady because they want to just kidnap this woman and force her to model for them. Yeah. Oh, they're definitely shady. I just laughed so hard when she's like, excuse me, did you do something wrong? The cops are here. What? Am I out of a job now? Yeah. (laughs) But they mentioned that uh, an engineer was kidnapped and so was another man. So the guy, the missing guy is some kind of engineer and there's some other engineer that's also missing. And I guess there was a report of a steamy man there as well. He was a civil engineer and expert in geologic faults and earthquakes. And then they also refer to the steamy man as a vapor man. Uh, Oh no. So the, there's some suddenly there's some steam some vapor there in the room where they're talking and one of them's like oh, it's the vapor man but no it's they the, vapor just, man. The, the the pot on the stove just sort of spilled over and uh made some steam <laughs> <laughs> mr Uminu from true story magazine a reporter played by kenji sahara in a fake beard wants to talk <laughs> to shipping a shipping executive about the war because this guy was an admiral during the war and also comes up that Aminu is cold. He's always wearing his heavy trench coat mm-hmm. and he asks, and he's quit. So the guys uh, thinks he's being interviewed about his current job, but it turns out the reporter wants to ask him about the war, which at this point was about 18 years ago. But still within living memory of, of many people in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he ta- wants to ask him about an uncompleted submarine project. The subs A-400, 401, and 402 were all destroyed in the war. But what happened to A-403? Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> um. And then somebody brings in tea and it's, it's the model woman that the guys are looking for. And they talk about the captain Jugunji in the Imperial Navy. And where was he sent? He apparently was in charge of this missing submarine. And this is her father, right? Her father. Yes. Yes. So, and the, the captain died at the end of the war, but the reporter thinks he's still alive. Uh, yes, the, the, the woman, the reporters, the woman, the photographers are stalking is the daughter of the dead or missing captain who used to work for the Admiral, who is now just a a businessman. Yeah. And then we see that the photographers have found the woman who is Makoto is her name. Makoto, she looks like a baby doll. Like her, <laughs> she does. Her 
her features are so she just looks porcelain she just looks like a little baby doll her face is not to like just be like oh she looks like a beautiful she but she really her features are so beautiful every like camera shot that it shows her in some throughout the movie will like zoom into her face with some very like gentle music and every time i just melted like oh my gosh (laughs) you beautiful little angel (laughs) uh she is played by yoko fujiyama she's got about 36 credits the most recent was 1967 appears to be still alive damn get a girl uh, i guess she stopped but i guess she stopped making movies in 1967 so anyway the the one of the photographers number two photographer number two (laughs) yoshito has tracked her down and the other one says find out see if she'll take her clothes off yeah what the hell he's like okay i found her he like calls him they're on the phone he's like okay i found her now what do i do he's like and here's the thing he's like see if she'll take her clothes off. And then he looks behind him and there's another woman like sitting behind him and he's trying to like (laughs) cover this phone conversation. I'm like, dude, what the hell? And I don't, did did they just mean like get into a bikini though? Cause that's what they were, that's the picture they were taking earlier. I mean, I'm assuming that's like what they mean. And it's just like their comedic bit to kind of overdo it. So they're like, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's what they mean anyways. Right. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, back in the office, uh, the, here's where we, we find out that uh, Makoto is the captain's daughter. And is he really dead? And he asked the Admiral Kasumi to take care of her but oh, the last time they saw each other. And I wrote patriotism. Yeah, because he gives this speech about how kids these days don't know what the word means but it was really important to them to be fighting for their country and fuck the family because it was about the country the, well that that certainly is the cat appears to be the captain's attitude yeah uh the admiral does have a little bit of that you know honor and so there is a thing in japanese culture and once again folks i'm not an expert you know but there does appear to be an element of uh, putting the community before the individual, whether that be the country or, or the company or whatever. And that that is the honorable thing to do. Yeah. At least that was, that was the attitude. Um, Which he isn't like, he's uh, not as aggressive as the dad about it or anything. He just kind of makes this snarky comment about kids these days don't understand the word patriotism. And I felt like that was kind of just something that as the, I think every generation is like that. Like kids these days don't blah, blah, yeah, blah. Right. Not, these you know, kids so today like, with their rag time and their bicycles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, okay. All right. So this, this is something I do find very interesting about this movie is um, so both the director and the screenwriter served in the Imperial Army or the Imperial Military. It could have been Army, could have been Navy. I'm not sure what their exact positions were, but they both served in the Imperial Military during the war. And uh, I find it very interesting to see some insight to the Japanese attitude towards the war, towards their role in the war. 
because so far oh. in these movies, you know, you know, Godzilla is a metaphor for the nuclear devastation of the end of the war, but doesn't really address Japan's role in the war other than being a, a victim at the end of the war, mm-hmm. but doesn't really go into it all, you know, why they were in the war to begin with. Yeah. And and what did that and what did that mean and and what does it mean going forward? And this movie is very much about you know conflicting attitudes towards the war because as we'll see in a bit here we have the one guy who's never surrendered has not yeah. given up the war and the other guy who's just like yeah, we we don't do war anymore. We're moving past mm-hmm. that. He doesn't really even talk about whether it was right or wrong. He's just like, that was then. This is now. We have outlawed war. We have outlawed war. We don't do that anymore. And And doesn't he even say that it's in their like constitution? Or I don't know if he uses the word constitution, but Yeah, yeah. And I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that there was a period right after the war when Japan didn't have any sort of military. They weren't even allowed to. And then eventually they decided they did need some sort of defense force, but it was strictly intended to be for defense and not offense. Mm -hmm. Wow. Rather than letting the other countries do it for them, they said, okay, it's, it's time for us to, do some of our own defense but we're only going to do it defensively we're not going to go invade it we we promise we're not going to invade anybody again (laughs) and uh of course they do have those kaiju constantly showing up so they do need to defend themselves (laughs) all the giants tearing up the city yeah so (laughs) Anyway, uh, back to the movie. The photographers are following Makoto to kidnap her and take pictures. Without her clothes on. Not to make, not to try to talk to her and make an offer. They apparently just want to kidnap her. (laughs) And, but it's too late because the driver of the car she's in is Agent number 23 and uh he's already beat them to it he's kidnapping her <laughs> and i wrote for photogs confirmed num- confirmed number 23 so i guess they got to look at him when he drove the car into the ocean earlier <laughs> and they are taking so they they haven't just kidnapped her they've kidnapped the um admiral as well i think mhm and they're going to he's going to take them to the empress of the mu empire and just gives out a lot of exposition during this drive <laughs> and then uh the, i guess that uh, have they gotten out of the car yeah he go i think he drives them to the beach and he's going to take them from there to the mu empire and then the photographers have followed, so photographer number two attacks. Attack! 
horribly. This scene is so funny. It's almost like when you're blocking for a stage fight scene and you haven't uh-huh. quite got it, you're still counting like one, two, <laughs> three, four, five, six. You know what I mean? That's kind of what Yeah, they're just marking like. it. Yeah, yeah, so they, exactly. <laughs> they need to rehearse it a few more times. Yeah, it just went really slow and was kind of like, it just felt like a rehearsal, really. And But number 23 says, I have special energy, so you can't hurt me. Which, and I wrote that that's like a child's game. Yeah. Like, you know, you're you're playing make-believe and you're like, pew, I got you. And I'm like, no, I have special energy. Ha <laughs> ha, you can't get me. Oh, yeah, well, I got a special gun that counteracts your special energy. Yeah. Mom, he's not playing right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they try to hit him with a wrench and he heats it yeah. up. Yeah, the glowing wrench. He's going to enslave the admiral and the girl, and a submarine approaches. And uh, then Susumu, photographer number one, uh, attacks, and the gun is dropped. 23 had a gun. The admiral picks it up, and number 23 runs into the ocean and is like, See you later. <laughs> But he does say something so, like, I'll be back. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess we should take a moment to discuss the Moo Empire. Are you at all familiar with Moo? Negative. This is the first I have ever heard of uh, Moo. So it doesn't, it's not from this movie originally. It's a thing. It's basically Atlantis. It, oh, it is okay. a, it's a legendary thing underwater place that we all talk yes about. yes it's a it's a legendary sunken continent slash island oh, that okay. is really just based on a bunch of nonsense bullshit that yeah. at, that was first proposed as and it's based on a combination of people mistranslating some stuff and people just making shit up <laughs> and like at one did. point it yeah at one point it was an alternate name for Atlantis and then somebody else which is in the Atlantic Ocean and then somebody else years later decided no it's an alternate name for Lumeria which is another uh, made up bullshit nonsense thing <laughs> set in the Pacific Ocean so and there's probably some uh legends or 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 fictions and when i say legends we're just talking about the 1800s here we're not talking ancient greece or anything Mm -hmm. uh but there may be some versions where atlantis and lemuria and mu are three separate things but in some versions mu is just a different name for either of those two things Uh, yeah so it it wasn't made up for this movie. But, nice. Uh, cool. Just, I totally thought it was made up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is made up, but just not for this. Right. It, it, I mean, they could have they could have just called it Atlantis, but they decided they wanted to call it Moo instead. So they're. Um, so apparently these the agent 23 and these steaming men and whatever are agents of the Mu Empire, which is ruled by an empress. 
Meow. <laughs> we love a lady ruler. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, the Admiral shoots at 23 and he swims uh, um, apparently out to the submarine that's waiting offshore. Later at the Metropolitan Police Department, everybody meets with a detective. The, the, the detective uh, Ito, who is, let me just a second here. Detective Ito, played by Hiroshi Koizumi, who we saw in Godzilla Raids again. He was uh, Soichi in Godzilla Raids again. All right. And then a, a package arrives at the police station for the Admiral from number 23. And it is a box that has inside of it a small reel of film, which means we get a film presentation. Yay! So there is a big meeting with the military and the police and the reporter and the photographers and the admiral. And uh, is the daughter there too, I think? Maybe? Yes. We get a lot of Philo in this movie because these two photographers who don't know anything about anything. <laughs> They're just trying to like, chase some pretty lady. Right. They end up being dragged through this whole thing all the way to the end just because they happen to be standing on that dock when the car went into the water. <laughs> but they have no expertise or special knowledge or authority or anything that they're not even reporters. They're just like fashion photographers. They're not newsmen. There's absolutely no reason for them to continue to be dragged along through this whole story just because they were witnesses to one part of it but they are but they are uh, Silo, baby but in the uh, film presentation we get a history of moo and mm -hmm. it we was sunk it a by bit. a curse yeah it was sunk by a curse but survived and we have made great progress the film tells us did you feel and like the, sorry sidebar at this point did you do you, do you feel like the dub um like there was some translation issues. I feel like um, in most in most probably. movies that are dubbed, I can't. I don't really notice it. Like usually, you'll tell me, like, oh, there's probably some sort of. But in this movie specifically, I felt like there were a lot of parts, like maybe just with how the sentence was structured, or like a word that was just out of place. It, just a lot in this movie, and I'm just thinking right. about it now. <laughs> well. I mean, sometimes that's just them trying to make the words match up with the movements of the people's lips. And <laughs> some some people are more skilled than others at, at, match, at trying to match that up. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes, sometimes maybe things have been translated badly and sometimes maybe they're just phrased awkwardly to try to match. To try to, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but they mentioned that the A-43 submarine, that Moo captured it, but the captain and the crew were not on board. 
and that Captain Jinguji is developing a new submarine, and the Admiral ordered him to stop. And Mu is going to reassert its dominance, and the Empress of Mu will have supreme power, will be the supreme ruler. Pussy power! Uh, and if you don't submit, Manda will get you. Yeah, baby. Submit. And then we see some shots of the moo, some kind of moo ceremony going on. Mm-hmm. And then they all discuss, the film ends and they all discuss if this is a real threat. And they conclude that it is and is, uh, and, and that it's an international problem. Mm-hmm. Then we get some headlines. So mark that on your bingo card. And <laughs> thankfully is, in this film, they are translated for us. Sometimes yes. they're not. Yep. Film threatens nations. Emergency meeting at UN. And then we uh, cut to a ship at night. Mm-hmm. And some and the exp- the captain is listening to exposition radio. <laughs> and the the UN basically has decided that Namu is absurd. <laughs> but then the ship spots some steam or vapor. <laughs> and the the sub is releasing vapor canisters as they approach the ship. So the aforementioned uh, A403 submarine appear is approaching this ship and releasing some kind of vapor canisters mm-hmm. and they send out an SOS and then there's a, a big kaboom. Sending out an SOS. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see satellite dishes sending signals and it sounds like Morse code. There's just some sort of beep, beep, beep <laughs> and more newspapers. Moo declaration shocks world. Venice yeah. destroyed. Oh no. So I think this death count of 272 <laughs> is a little low. That must just be the confirmed deaths on screen because if sure, Venice yeah. is destroyed, I don't know what the population of Venice is, but I'm pretty sure it's more hundred more than 272. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh Hong Kong is in ruins, the newspaper tells us. So yeah. that's that's got to be another couple dozen people at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see planes taking off, fighter planes, uh UN defense headquarters establishes the toys. Yeah. And the shot and and we also get another shot of the satellite from the, the Mysterians. Yes. Oh my gosh. I really I was like looking at this even the sound that they use the uh-huh. kind of like eerie like woo sound that they use i was like is this from the mysterians they even yeah. they didn't even cut out the freaking sound effects <laughs> <laughs> so the a, the a un defense headquarters has been established and i guess the satellite is part of that and then we see an hq radar kind of room and a bunch of guys at consoles you know looking at stuff and the red satan world's yeah. most advanced submarine 
It's an American submarine, the Red Satan. <laughs> they spot the Moose submarine and try to track it. And the sailors on this ship all have different accents. Or there's a multitude of accents among the crew. So maybe they're trying to tell us that this is a United Nations crew. Mm-hmm. Not just an American crew. They dive to the maximum that they can. And the enemy is still diving. And the UN sub tries to surface. But the valves won't work. And the pressure cracks the red Satan. And then the so the the poor submarine is just it went too too low and it can't get back up and it just kind of gets crushed and then the military discusses the uh, h-bomb option Yeesh. or or at triga at trigon is the way one guy pronounces it at trigon mm-hmm. what uh what about it where where is captain jingunji and the admiral Who's part of this discussion? The former admiral insists that he does not know. But the film they watched says that he does know. The Moo Mm -hmm. film presentation uh, basically accused him of knowing where the captain is. Mm -hmm. Oh, I should mention, I didn't mention this before. So the name of the ship is actually the Gotengo. But for the international version... They titled it the Atragon, which appears to be a mashup of Atomic Dragon. Oh. Uh, And AIP distributed this film in America, apparently with minimal changes. We are watching, but we are watching a dubbed version of the Japanese film, not a dubbed version of the American cut (laughs) Thank the Lord. Because there's because there's no AIP title card or anything. Is how yeah. we know that. Uh, <laughs> there's this part here uh, where they're talking about what is his name? Jin Jinju Jinju Jin, How do you say it? How do you say it? Jin Jinguji. Um They're talking about him and the. Sorry, I don't want to mispronounce their names. So the daughter. Um, she kind of has this moment where she's like overwhelmed with the fact that like maybe her father is alive or whatever. And she kind of does this right. thing where she almost faints, but she's standing uh-huh. up and they're in a crowd of people. So she can't really faint. So she just kind yeah. of does this thing where she kind of slumps over and her boyfriend just kind of pinballs her in between his hands. Like, bing, 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 like, wake up, bitch. And it's kind <laughs> of like rough, too. Like, she kind of does this weird, like, oh, and he just, like, bing, 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 like, pinballs her between his two hands. Uh, I had to rewind it because it was so funny. I was like, wow, if I ever faint, please do not slap me around like that. <laughs> By her boyfriend, you mean reporter number one who was conspiring to kidnap her? Is that who you mean? Oh, well, I guess because later on, later on, yes, the, they... her dad asks, like, who's that? He's like, well, they fall yeah, in yeah. love. So, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, they move pretty. I mean, they're moving in. They're they're working on movie time. So, yeah, exactly. The, the and a little, accelerated a Stockholm syndrome as well. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, but they they are living on accelerated <laughs> movie romance time. So. <laughs> <laughs>
let's see. Uh, so one of them is like, stop the bullshit and tell us where he is. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he says, okay, the secret is I tried to persuade, uh, I tried to pressure Jinginju's, uh, no, oh, I'm sorry. He says, the secret is I tried to preserve Jinguji's honor because he mm-hmm. refused to obey orders. And I don't want to say any more or mm-hmm. I won't say any more. And Makoto comes in and the police are on the phone. A Mu agent has been captured. Uh, it's not Agent 23, but is a man that has been uh, following Makoto. And he just says, uh, identifies himself as 8561. Mm-hmm. He's not from Mu. He's not from Mu. He's Japanese. I'm a Japanese, he says. Yes. I'm not a movie, fools. I'm a Japanese. And he's trying to, of course, they're all played by Japanese people, so how would you know just by <laughs> looking at it? <laughs> he tries, he well, tries you might to. might if you were Japanese. Yeah. But, uh, th- th- these movies kind of illustrate how stupid our own movies are because. You you look at him and you're like, well, why why do all these people from this undersea kingdom look Japanese? But if it were an American movie, they'd all look American, and they mm-hmm. there's no reason why they should. They should look like something different. Yeah, uh, I know it's the same thing in a Jackie Chan movie. Once they were in Egypt, and the waiter at the Egyptian hotel was speaking Chinese to them. And I thought, well, that was weird. But then I realized, oh, but if this was an American movie, the waiter would just know how to speak English. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're equally ridiculous. It's just brought into sharp contrast when you, yeah, when you see yeah, it from absolutely. another country's point of view. Right. That's so, funny. Uh, but the um, the guy, the prisoner, was trying to kidnap Makoto. Mm-hmm. And they realized that 8561 must be his serial number from the war. So, you know, when you're a prisoner of war, you just give your name, rank, and serial number. Yeah. So he, they, like, uh, call him on that. And he says, yes, I'm first-class warrant officer Amano. Mm-hmm. And he's working for Jinguji. And, yeah, here's when the daughter starts to faint. Yeah, to faint. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Wake up, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's, I mean, for years, for 18 years, for her entire life, really. Yeah. She, well, I guess she's a little older than 18, so she was probably, I mean, obviously must have been born before the war was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's, for most of her life, she's thought he was dead. And it turns yeah. out that he just, would just rather hide someplace than be a proper father to her. So that's got to be. And and she really, this is where the movie, like part of the emotional turmoil for me, like this scenario and also just the war, like how her, the interaction of her dad and the whole war thing was just like, ugh, gives me, like I just, it gives me the ickies. But um, yeah, she, man, she really loves her dad and most and she doesn't even know him he's been gone for so long and yeah. she's really just you can tell i feel like the actress yeah. did such a good job of really holding on to that like oh man i really want to love this person that i don't know and who i feel has maybe betrayed me in some ways 
Oh, it's yeah. just really, it's so good. And, and also and sad. It's all, yes. And it's all part of this fucked up idea of honor that I yeah. can't surrender. I have to be oh. honorable. It, it would be dishonorable of me to surrender. But on the other hand, it was dishonorable of him not to follow orders. And yeah. where is the honor in abandoning your daughter? That's exactly. not an honorable thing to do. So, but it seems uh, like everyone. It seems like, and maybe that's the culture is that it is the right thing to do. Like even later on in the movie, someone says um, that it it was it's the more honorable thing to do to fight for your country than to fight for your family. It's not in those words, but I was just like, what the right. fuck? <laughs> but I don't think that. I don't think that is the ultimate conclusion of the movie itself. That's right. the position of some of the characters, mm -hmm. but the movie seems to be taking a more modern view of the situation yeah. and seems to be yeah, saying totally. that he's a, his views are outdated and he's a freaking dinosaur. But we haven't even got to him yet because there's an earthquake and Agent 23's voice comes from a recording. Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> saying we caused the earthquake obey the empress and surrender and order the captain to stop working on the submarine or we will destroy civilization yeah and the, the uh amano won't talk and then our weirdo reporter comes in and tries to convince amano to talk and the admiral finally convinces him He's like, hey, and he you says, talk. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, okay, but I can't just tell you. I got, I have to take you. I can't just tell yeah. you how to get to follow me. So everybody gets on an airplane because <laughs> Philo. Philo. <laughs> All everybody. these people who have no business going get on the airplane. <laughs> The photographer, the police detective, the reporter, the admiral, and a few other randos are all on this plane. And then that takes them somewhere where they get on a boat. And smaller boat. Then we see a submarine sneaking. Uh, oh, oh, we see the, the, the a submarine is uh, sneakily entering a underwater cave. And... We're, we're in Moo now, and there's a big Moo chamber. And Air, <laughs> Agent 23 is returning to Boo, but he's now dressed in Moo clothes, which looks sort of um, vaguely Egyptian or Aztec or a costumer's mashup of Egyptian and Aztec or Mayan. Mm -hmm. And there's some statues at one point we see that are that are just straight up Egyptian statues. So mm -hmm. he's wearing a sort of Egyptian skirt kind of thing, but also some weird thing on his head. And he, I don't think he has a shirt on at this point. And uh, he um, reports to the high priest that the admiral is being taken to the captain. And then they look at some submarine blueprints. Mm -hmm. And we will get power. We will get the power we need. Does this then submarine? Does this submarine kind of remind you of the laser in Austin Powers, or is it just me? I can see that. I can see that. 
so there is uh, there's an earthquake in the power room, and they say to send the Japanese slaves to check. And then we get a Thanks. shot of a Moo church service going on where they're praying to the god of Moo, which is Manda, which we haven't Manda. seen yet. And then the Admiral and the gang are on a boat. Gang, and gang. Makoto and Sumasu have a little chat about what will father think of me. And Sumasu is yeah. sure that he will be happy. <laughs> this is one of those moments. She's uh, like so nervous. And she's like, what is he going to think of me? And the guy's like, oh, he's going to love you. You're great. <laughs> Smashed uh, I, all your hopes I and wrote, dreams. Yes. <laughs> I wrote I wrote code of honor. I don't know who who brought that up. But yeah, because yeah, not... he he because she asks. He basically is saying your father cares about you, and she's like, well, if he cares about me, then why did he send that guy? And he's like, he sent that guy to check on you. And she's like, well, then why didn't the guy say, hey, your father just sent me to check on you? And he's like, because there's a code <laughs> of honor, and he couldn't say anything because checking on your family makes you less of a man. Right. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the boat arrives, and uh, Yoshido disappears. What? Oh no! I'm sorry. The boat arrives, mm -hmm. and Yoshido, photographer number two, is disappointed that there are no girls. <laughs> I guess he was. I think he was expecting some sort of scantily clad native ladies on the shore, <laughs> and there are there are none. Uh, but there there are some soldiers on patrol who stop them, but Amano waves them off. This and they all like get the, in a jeep. The Japanese equivalent of like, where are all the bitches at? <laughs> <laughs> so they they get into a, a jeep that they somehow have that I'm just realizing is ridiculous. Because... These are all guys who were on a submarine at the end of the war and apparently abandoned the submarine when the Mu Empire seized it or something. But somehow they have some Jeeps. Beep, beep, watch <laughs> out for the Jeep. <laughs> uh, later, the Jeep gets caught in the, in the mud and the reporter wanders off. Mm -hmm. And somebody notices that the island has a lot of resources. So maybe they built this Jeep from scratch. And by a lot of resources, they mean a painting. Yeah. He's like, look at all these resources. And, I, and I'm like, you mean look at that painting? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Amato checks in and the guards order them to be taken to rest. And... We see a Japanese flag on the wall, which is uh, not the national flag, but the flag of the Imperial Navy, because I looked it up. Oh. It's the one with the it's the one with the slightly off center sun that has the rays coming out of it. Oh, OK. Rather than the just red circle in the middle of the white field, which is the national flag. Uh, Ama, uh, Sumasu points out that they haven't seen a shipyard. And Umino says that it's underground because he can hear or feel the vibrations of machinery banging away underneath them. And the captain finally comes and 
the admiral introduces the daughter and he just ignores her doesn't say well he ignores her oh. first and says this is your daughter and then he just looks at her and then doesn't say anything it's 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 so gross how he he look looks at her for a minute and then just like looks away i was like you fucking prick i was so mad yeah yeah well i i mean yeah he's he's i think it's a combination of him being a little bit ashamed good and and not and just not well totally surprised completely taken aback yeah but this weird combination of honor and shame happening simultaneously and he just doesn't know what to say so he doesn't say anything but it's which, devastating course, the wrong thing to do yeah oh no he's, yes. he's he's completely wrong to behave this way yeah but she... he's been wrong he's been wrong for 18 years yeah <laughs> Yeah, you can kind of see, like, whenever he, like, looks away from her, it kind of, like, she has a physical, it almost physically knocks her down. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Where's the monster of this movie? Quit making me feel things. <laughs> Bring out the kaiju. Yeah. Uh, I wrote Captain's Men and a Few Friendly Natives. Uh, submarine. They ask him about the submarine. He says the first run is tomorrow. And that it's time to be proud again. Time for, you know, for Japan to be. Make Japan great again. Blah, blah, blah. Fart noise. Uh, That's what I have to say about that. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, yeah, I actually wrote MJGA. Make Japan great again. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, do you need help? Nope. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So he said the admiral is like, well, we need your help dealing with this moo situation. The, the world, world needs your help. Yeah. And he's like, no, the submarine is for Japan alone. And he's like, the war has been over for nearly 20 years. And he says, my command did not surrender. That's not how it works. The yeah. emperor fucking the emperor surrendered. On behalf of everybody does not work that way uh but makoto runs off and sumasu chastises the captain for being war crazy yeah he's like she was so excited to see you and she she thought she was gonna be greeted with love and you suck (laughs) yeah so he exits and he's like who is that guy and that's when admiral tells him that they're in love but yeah you don't have any right to Question: Whatever relationship she might exactly. be in right now, For real? Oh, like oh, you now dick. you dick? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh god. So, um, uh, but I think I think there is a, a parallel here, and an, an intentional parallel between mm. the captain and the Mu Empire. The Mu Empire is trying to reassert its past mm. glory. Oh. And it's going and it's threatening everybody. Oh. And the you know, the rest of the world it's threatening the entire world and the rest of the world is united trying to deal with it. But the captain is still hanging on to the old yeah. ways of japan who were trying to take over the world in the past and you know 
uh, he and, and this 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 empire that's been living in isolation under the ocean is like Japan used to be that was living in in isolation until it tried to take over the world. I don't want I'm not going to go into the whole history of Japan. <laughs> but briefly they were isolated for a long time until Europe came knocking on the door and said, "Hey, you got to come out and play." They basically forced them to come out and play with the rest of the world. Oh, and then we don't want to. Then they were like, "Oh, what's this empire thing you've got going on here? I think we'd like to have one of those." <laughs> God. <laughs> and they were kind of like, oops, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have forced them to come out and play because oh now God. they're too good at it. That was a mistake. Uh, that is my gross oversimplification of the history of Japan. Thank you. Thanks for coming <laughs> to my TED Talk. Uh, but the next day, the captain is, is the captain angry? The men come to get the admiral to see the submarine the reporter so they lost their submarine during the war and have spent the past 18 years working on a new submarine and apparently some blueprints for this were left behind on the old sub which is how the Mu Empire knows that he's working on it and it's taken them 18 years to try to stop him I guess uh, but our creepy reporter is caught sneaking around and then there's, then there's a secret door to the shipyard and the gang goes to an observation room and the Atragon is going through a prep checklist and we see, get a good look at the submarine now. It is a submarine with like a drill on the front of it. Mm-hmm. And then a little ways past the drill, there's still like some kind of uh, angled fins, if you will. Yeah, there, there's little prongs on the end of mm-hmm. the drill, which yeah. I guess uh, maybe a, a real drill might have something like that to get the first bite. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, there's little prongs at the tip of the drill. And the captain says this is the submarine Gotengo. So he doesn't call it Atragon. He calls oh. it Gotengo. Dang. Although somebody talked, one of the guys in the previous meeting did use the name Atragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So, but that that's the original name. And then there's some blue screen going on in the model that doesn't work. So, oh, I wrote, is Atragon the old submarine? And Gotengo's the new one? But it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> they uh, are getting ready to launch the submarine it's on a track in like an underground dry dock and they rolls into a airlock which they close and then fill up with water they open the water valves and uh fill that chamber up and then open the door and they go forward slow speed and we cut to everyone is now on the beach they've left the observation room they're on the beach watching the ship rise up and then it keeps rising uh up it past the surface of the water up into the air yeah it flies but we don't see any sort of jets or propellers (laughs) or anything it's just magically levitating up into the air 
cut tonight, and they're toasting our success. And tomorrow we will test the freeze cannon, which works at negative 273 degrees. Wow. This, this guy's been pretty busy on this little island. Yeah, no shit. With, uh, he somehow from scratch with all the resources on the island, from scratch they've built a, a shipyard and constructed uh, the most advanced submarine in the world and invented a freeze ray and made a jeep or two. Boom, baby. <laughs> All from a painting. Yeah. So the Admiral wants to know, how did Moo get the A-403? And how do they know about your new submarine? And he explains that we were attacked and the sub was captured and the sketches were on board. They took my sketches. And um, what's his name? Kasumi says, don't call me Admiral. Japan has abandoned war and the captain's not at all happy about that. And again, they're like, it's been 20 years almost. The whole world needs your submarine. The world has changed, but he's still Japan first. Later, the captain finally talks to his poor daughter. Mm. Uh, I wrote disappointed. Which one's disappointed? Yeah, he 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 asks her. He's like, are you really that disappointed in me? Yes. yes. Yeah, bitch. She says, I am. It's, it would it would have been better. She says it would be better if we'd never met and to please do what Kasumi asks. Yeah. But this is so, really funny. Two things. She says it would have been better if I never met you. I, Cause I could have just dreamed like dreamt about you and that was better for me. Yeah. But then also, you know, when you say like, do it, like do it, please do it for me. Like you say it, do it for me. But she says, do it for me. <laughs> and I was like, Nope, that's not, <laughs> That's not, nope, that's not the way you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong level. <laughs> she doesn't say, do it for me. She says, do it for me. I was like, wait a second. That that's wasn't the weird. right. Yeah, that wasn't the right way to say that. <laughs> well, I just wrote, she puts a guilt smackdown on him, which he totally has coming. Yeah, totally. And then Sumasu watches and then confronts the captain. And says, and I like really like this line. I wrote it down. You're a ghost wearing rusty armor. Oh, you yeah, old you piece him. of shit. You, you tell him, you potential kidnapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the you captain gives him a. The captain gives him a picture that he's been carrying of her this whole time, and says to take care of her. The reporter, who's been lurking around, grabs Makoto and reveals what we have suspected all along. (laughs) That he is a Moo agent. He is a magic. And he uses some power to knock her out. He shocks her. They never really explain what is up with the Mooans that Mm -hmm. this special power they have because apparently if you touch them it it either shocks you or burns you yeah and i think the whole steaming man vapor man idea was that their bodies are hot so when they're coming up out of the water the water starts steaming Uh, up off of them yeah totally yeah but on the other hand the reporter was cold earlier 
when he shouldn't have been. Well, you know, he well was cold. maybe he was maybe he was just saying he was cold to like so no one was like, Hey, why are you wearing that huge ass trench coat? He's like, well, but oh, if he, I'm, but I'm just cold. He was, he was trying to contain his his heat in the. Yeah. I, I think I think they're very inconsistent with the idea of what is going on with their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe to survive in the cold depths of the ocean, they evolved uh, to be hotter than normal humans. I don't know. I don't know why I'm the one who has to explain this shit. The movie should have explained it. <laughs> uh, but Simasu comes along and the and what? They they fight. And he comes along, what? they fight. And uh, Umino has planted explosives while we weren't looking. And boom! And then he knocks out Sumasu too, and the base is is blowing up. Where did he get the explosives? We'll never know. Is that was it? Is that what he was hiding under his trench coat this whole time? Uh, How did he get enough explosives to blow up this base onto yeah, the airplane, the and then the boat, it? and then onto the shore with nobody seeing them? Unless he just found some of their explosives, and I don't know. <laughs> uh. A the jeep escapes, Amuno uh, with the prisoner. I guess he puts them in a jeep and drives off. And then we cut to the Mu throne room. The Empress, we finally see the Empress, and there's a lot of bowing and thunder yeah. and dancing. And I will all... say the Empress's <clears throat> um, eye makeup is very 2022, baby. I was like, okay, <laughs> like oh. <laughs> I've seen so many eye makeup things like this recently. I was like, very nice. <laughs> it's it, it is all rather extreme these days. Uh, so so you're saying modern uh, makeup all looks like it came out of a science fiction movie? I love it. I'm not talking shit by any means, <laughs> but yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, it just seems to me that eye makeup has gone from uh, t- just trying to uh, enhance your eyes to just straight up eyes. painting, just 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 painting and decorating them. Yes, baby. Which I'm not saying whether that's good or bad, but it's not. It's there's no attempt at re- there's no attempt at realism, which maybe is a very old thing. Maybe it's an Egyptian yeah. sort of thing. You know, you know. Uh, anyway, they're praying to save us, oh God, Manda, or Munda, depending on what mood the subtitles are in. <laughs> and the the, pri- the prisoners are brought in. The Empress orders them sacrifice to Manda. Sacrifice! And then they're put in a cell. They're put in a cell with other prisoners. Mm-hmm. And who are... They're, they're kind of... They, don't really explain this. I think we're just meant to figure it out. These are the various engineers that were kidnapped earlier in the film. Yeah. It is so kinda, one of one of these guys one of these guys is the dude from the first scene and we're meant to recognize him from the yeah. two seconds we saw him in the first scene. Uh but Agent twenty three and Amino uh come in and if the captain tries to 
interfere, you will be given to Manda. And they're like, Manda, what's Manda? Open the window and see for yourself. And at one hour, three minutes and 25 seconds, <laughs> we can finally get a glimpse of a kaiju. Their nice. scales <laughs> pressed right up against the window. But then it moves and we see its face. And I wrote Yay. stop motion. I thought it I think looked really used... good for a whole second. And then I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, yay. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they use stop motion in this section. Most of the Japanese monsters are just a dude in a suit. But they do occasionally use some stop motion. Just not for an entire movie. Yeah. Uh, at the island, the admiral and the captain and the men are surveying the damage. And the admiral's wearing a cap now, like a military cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know where he got it from, but he's wearing it. And the photographers come in to report that, uh, well, one of the photographers comes in. And that new soldiers appeared at North Bahara. On the rim of the crater. I think he heard this over the radio. And then at Bahara, the locals are panicking and running away. And men in silver suits are climbing out of a crater. So I think Mount Bahara is some kind of volcano. And these guys seem to be climbing out of the crater. And uh, some sort of drones attack and blow up a jeep. So these drones rise up out of the crater, too. So I guess Mu has their underwater access point, but they can also come up out of a volcano somewhere. (laughs) This is not I mean, if their civilization is sort of part underwater and underground, then I guess it might have tunnels that come up under a volcano i don't know it's like a mario mario game when you go through one (laughs) tunnel and come out another (laughs) i guess they're not really clear about what exactly is going on there and and how far the mu empire reaches geographically uh but there's an evacuation people are boarding a ferry and the drones blow it up and then in Mu, Sumasu and the other guy who is Shindo from the first scene are put back in the cell. They've apparently been doing some kind of forced labor. And Shindo says there's no way to escape because we're underwater. And the Sumasu somehow has stolen some explosives. Yes. From wherever they were working. But didn't know they were uh, explosives. <laughs> yeah. Which was like, yeah, what? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I, just t- I took this stuff. And they're like, well, be careful with that. these things I found? Uh, Ancien Palolithia is the stuff. And then uh, and I wrote, this is the guy kidnapped in the first scene. And then the third guy is brought yeah. in and put in the cell. And he says they're going to launch an all-out attack. Moo mm-hmm. gives the world a final warning. I think they just sort of broadcast it everywhere. February 10th at midnight, we will attack. Because you always want to give your enemy a, a fair Heads warning up. of we'll exactly when you're going to attack. <laughs> but I guess that's the deadline to surrender the captain and the new ship, or we will attack. 
And there's a bunch of stock footage of planes and, uh, excuse me. Uh, what is that? What? I don't know what I wrote here. Toys. Lots of toys. Yes. Stock footage of, of planes and things and stuff rolling out, military stuff. And Atragon or, or Gotengo back at the island is being dug out of the rubble. There's a big beam that's been blocking it and they've moved it so they can open the hatch. They couldn't even get into the ship because it was blocked. And then everybody gets in and checks the stations and everybody is on the submarine now, including the, t- the detective and the other photographer. Even though, you know, there's nothing, they don't know anything about how to operate this ship, but they're on it. And it, sh- and it drill, they turn on the drill and it drills its way out. And the captain says he has got rid of his rusty armor and is ready to destroy the Mu Empire. And the ship flies off. We cut tonight, and there's panic in the streets, and the military is rolling out, and it is almost midnight. Five minutes to midnight. And the military is just sort of waiting there in the street for the attack. And fighter fighter planes fly by, and the bells toll, and then steam blows open manholes in the street, and a building just collapses into the ground. So somehow Moo had a way of just like making sinkholes under the other cities. The Moo submarine surfaces and then shoots a heat ray from what appears to be a Manda statue gun that's mounted on the front of the sub. And the high priest gloats and the Atragon arrives or Gotengo arrives and uh, tell her majesty crush time there's a i i don't know if they thought they were going to crush it like the other submarine with the water pressure but there's a sub chase the there's a sub chase and the empress and her ladies in waiting enter the cell and the empress is wearing a different wig now (laughs) and says come with us you'll be sacrificed to manda (laughs) and then we have another stage fight Yes, Sumasu jumps two, up. Three, he, four, five. <laughs> he jumps the Empress and uses the explosives to threaten her. And the other guy takes the guards, um, uh, whatever it is they had. What did I write here? Uh, takes his something and his spear. I was going to say and maybe go, like a shank. Yeah. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what I, what this word is, but he had something and a spear and he takes it mm-hmm. and they go to some hatch and they stab a guard and put on its silver <laughs> pressure suits and the Empress surreptitiously, do, yep. While they're doing that, while they're suiting up, the Empress surreptitiously uh, pushes a button that frees Manda because there's one of those just on the wall mm-hmm. <laughs> and she refuses to go along with them and they're like okay drown then <laughs> she's like oh okay 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 i'll come <laughs> uh the moose submarine returns and the gotengo follows and the airlock opens but manda is blocking the way and atragon watches 
and they open open them something they they i don't know they fire what? torpedoes uh, Amanda retreats and the gang swims out and how oh yeah so, but how did the captain it, it's as if the the guys in the sub knew they needed to get Amanda away from the door mm-hmm. so the captives could swim out but how could they have possibly oh, known yeah. that or, or was it just lucky everybody gets on the sub while Amanda growls and then the ship surfaces and uh, Makoto and her father reunite and everything's fine now. The uh, But the Empress of Mu is very confident that, you know, we will be triumphant and you'll all pay and I'm the Empress and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and even if you kill me, the heart of the Empire will not be destroyed. And somebody figured the heart is a literal place. A holy place, a source of power, uh, utilized the heart, that utilizes the heart of the earth, and it's another six miles directly under the palace. Does she tell them that, or they just figured that out from things they heard while they were captive? I think she. They just figured that out. I don't think she said that. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. figured that out. They they let the, the while they were enslaved, they were mm-hmm. sloppy and let them see too much. <laughs> let them learn too much. Yeah. So, all of you had better surrender. Nope. Peace? Nope. Suck it, nerd. <laughs> Said, okay, we'll destroy the heart of your empire. Uh, Amanda attacks the sub and Finns. What? Uh, they, they shock him. The fins on the sub shock him, and then they oh, hit him with the freeze yeah. jet. Yeah, he wraps around the sub, and then they... They shock him. It's so cute, too, because when he wraps around the sub, because he's so long, they show it in, like, pieces. So they, like, show his, like, head, and then they show his belly, and then they do, like, a little tiny, his little tail, like, a little tip of it, like, <laughs> just, like, grabs the little end of the sub. Wink. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't described Manda at all, really. He's kind of a sea serpent. Yeah, like a water and... snake with tootsies. Yeah, he does have toes. Yeah. Uh, and he appears to be a puppet. Mm-hmm. I think he was way too. He's not a guy in a suit. He's way too thin to be a guy in a suit. He's just some yeah. kind of a puppet. Yeah. And uh, but they they shock him and then they hit him with the freeze jet. And then the ship does a freeze drill combo on the side of the underwater mountain and drills into the Moo power plant. And on the submarine. The Volunteer Commando Corps, uh, uh, yes, somebody says Volunteer Commando Corps assemble. <laughs> and this Volunteer Commando Corps includes the police detective and the photographers and the freed prisoners. Uh, because Vilo. <laughs> High Priest gets a status report but refuses to believe it and the commands an attack. Oh, no, the, I'm sorry. Commandos attack. Let me take Hello. <laughs> yeah. The commando corps attacks. They have freeze rifles, so there's not just a big freeze ray on the ship. They have personal freeze rifles as well. <laughs> the Moo soldiers run away or get frozen. 
Some of them run away, some of them get frozen. The commandos find a control area of the power room and plant explosives. And much of this room is a model. So they do a little bit of split screen, yeah. blue screen kind of work where they've created the illusion of this. They've created the illusion of this gigantic room, but it's really mostly a model. Yeah, all the little like cranes are so very obviously toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cute. And then the, the commandos return to the ship. The ship's spray and freeze some turbine generator things before it exits. So that they've drilled into the side of this building and then they mm -hmm. shoot some of the freeze ray on some of the machinery before right. before they pull out. The ship <laughs> surfaces <laughs> yeah, I know. it's all very phallic. Uh, everybody comes up on the deck and they make the Empress watch as her oh! shit gets blown up. <laughs> Damn. They make her and watch. The, uh, and then she just straight yeets off the side. Yeah. Off the yep. side of the boat. <laughs> the Gotengo hovers and the moose ship shoots its heat ray, but it doesn't do any good. Because freeze ray beats heat ray, apparently. And the, the other ship blows up. And uh, the Empress tries to run. And they're like, yeah, let her go. And, and as you say, she <laughs> yeets herself right into the water to die. Let yeah. her let her die with her crumbling empire. They're like, she wants to die with her country. Let her do it. I'm like, damn. Yep. Man. The end. The end. That was a pretty intense ending. And we only got to see yeah. the, the monster for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if that much. If that, yeah, uh, yeah. His his it. amount of his amount of screen time, the amount of time he's actually on screen is probably like two minutes, maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh. we'll see him more later. So <clears throat> there how you many, go. <laughs> how many stars? <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, uh, I I liked it. I'm gonna give it a. Three, three and yeah. a half. Nice. I was gonna say um, two point yeah. five, three, just because there wasn't yeah. much kaiju action. It was no, like no, an emotional as as... movie. I was like, why is this just movie the, yeah emotional? Yeah, yeah. No, just based on, solely on the kaiju factor, it's only like a one. But yeah. as a whole, as a whole, I quite liked it, and I did find it just very interesting. Uh, as far as the the glimpse into the Cult, the post-war culture of Japan and the yeah. ideas that the people are are struggling with within their culture of well, both I the have... honor and dishonor of the past living yeah. with the you know yeah. I, I think there's a there there's obviously this great tragedy of the two atomic bombs but I think there's also a certain amount of guilt Mm -hmm. associated with it in that to an extent they brought it on themselves that yeah. does not in any way excuse the horrible war crime we committed by doing that right i want to be clear i want to be clear dropping atomic bombs on two cities full of civilians was a war crime that was unnecessary and you can mm -hmm. fight me on that internet <laughs> 
this whole idea that we needed to do it to end the war is just bullshit that does not hold up to historical scrutiny. Uh, we wanted to do it to show that we could. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they didn't do things that on their end that brought that about. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting seeing them processing the war almost 20 years later in in what is essentially a pop culture sci-fi movie dealing yeah. with these rather large ideas. So Well, I have I like um it. abandonment issues and daddy issues, so this movie made me sad. <laughs> oh. So I was like, fuck this movie. Oh. <laughs> No, but it was pretty but good. It made, That's why I was like, but hey, oh, the weird you... one. Because I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said the weird one. I'm like, oh, yes, it's much weirder than a, a giant moth <laughs> with two miniature twin priestesses. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. When you said that, I laughed so hard. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all pretty damn weird. Yeah. It's uh, so next week, Ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, we will be watching Mothra versus Godzilla, also known as Godzilla versus the Thing. Oh, which is not to be confused with Godzilla versus Mothra from 1992. Oh shit! This is this is Mothra versus Godzilla from 1963 or four. Um, it is available to watch on uh sorry <laughs> on what the japanese avert the, the japanese version is available on hbo max <laughs> i couldn't remember for a second if it's hbo go hbo now hbo plus <laughs> the it, there used to be an hbo go and an hbo now both of which are now hbo max <laughs> Yep. Uh, this movie Atragon you can see I think I mentioned it but I'll mention it again it is free with ads on Vudu so uh, if you haven't watched it yet watch it there and Mothra vs. Godzilla on HBO Max thank you all for joining us and thank you for writing into us (laughs) Uh, yes, if anybody else wants to leave us a message or some insight or uh, argue about war crimes, you can email yeah. us at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com. You can leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash mmftg, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. So uh, until next time, keep calm and take shelter in basements. Don't miss you, science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Go, go, go.